Let's do it. And um, so <laughs> we should be live. Uh, that's not the right window. Um, so we're live. Hello, welcome to another episode of Loose Cannon. Uh, today, uh, we tried to take it a little. Oop, shook my whole fucking desk with that one. Um, let's smack the mic. Uh, today we are uh, talking about a lot of the Easter eggs that there are in Destiny, and I want to apologize. I wanted to get a bunch of like little video clips of it, but. I'm not sure if it's my computer, if it's Destiny, if it's, it's if it's OBS or what. I was unable to actually get uh, quality uh, video. Everything was super choppy. My game was running smooth, perfectly fine, but in OBS, it was all messed up, and it it just looks. It would be a headache to look at it. It really, it would be really <laughs> bad. So I tried to compromise and just get a bunch of images. <laughs> Which are less fun to talk about some of uh, my favorite Easter eggs. Rhino has uh, quite a few supplied as well that I didn't know about. And, uh, you know, we have a list of others that don't have images, and you're just going to have to take our word for them. Um, <laughs> we don't have images or videos. Uh, and this is actually probably the first time. That I've I've experienced the uh, downside to sunsetting, where uh, so for example, uh, one such uh, Easter egg is the hope for the future. So hope for the future was written by um, was Paul, it McCartney. Paul McCartney. Yeah, uh, and it was it was supposed to be part of Destiny One, right? But it never actually got used. That's that's the story behind right. it. Right, and that. they made a music video for it and everything. And Paul McCartney, if you don't know, was one of the members of the Beatles. Mm -hmm. If you don't know that, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, hope for the future has become like one of destiny's longest running memes where it never really happened. And so because of that, they always like to have fun with it. And in the red war, the opening mission, which you can no longer do, you were actually able to go when you're in the hangar, you were able to go to where the hunter's lounge used to be in the destiny one tower. And if you stood there, you can hear a garbled version of hope for the future playing from inside the room, but it's, it's closed off. Um, and that was one of my favorite things when I found that, cause I went over there and I was like, Oh man, the hunter's lounge used to be here, which is almost actually kind of an Easter egg of its own. The fact that there was a hunter's lounge. <laughs> hunter's lounge. One. Yeah. People got and it mad. was uh well what was funny is the ship that you walked into down there by the bar was oh. Cade's ship that was backed up permanently docked to the the ship bay was it yeah yeah people didn't know that at first it took me like a good 2 years in D1 to even know so, that whoa, whoa. that was actually Cade's ship because there was a small reference to Cade's ship in the uh, tower hangar and that's his ship because when you walked on there there was the map the the map with his knives which yeah. we see in d2 now also and it took it took a long time for people to put that together but yeah we just realized we just thought it was just some random ship yeah that was docked there i see i i didn't even realize it was a ship i just thought it was like uh uh like uh what the hell are they called? Like a storage container. One of those. Like, yeah, I did too at first. I thought the thing was just a, another room yeah. down there for, for a long time. Yeah. And so 
back in D1, because it wasn't, it's not called the Hunter's Lounge or anything. I call it the Hunter's Lounge because early <laughs> on in D1, when I went in there, one day I was in there um, with an old friend of ours who hasn't been on the show in forever, Guardian. Um, and I was just looking around. And I was like, wait a minute. This, this is a Hunter's Lounge because it's got, it's got knives in the walls. Yeah. It's got sniper rifles leaning up on yeah. things. It's got Hunter helmets. It's got the Hunter banners, like with the aspect yeah. of blood. And it had a bar. And I was like, this is the fucking Hunter's Lounge. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was one of the locations that Zer used to go in. So like back in D1, Zer used to cycle to different points in the tower. And that was one of the places Zer could be in. And um, right. along the left wall there was this like big circular machine and like early, early D one, it didn't do anything. And I was like, this is a fucking jukebox. It might not play music, but I know it's a goddamn jukebox. (laughs) And then in like rise of iron, it started playing music. You could go into it. You could play music on it. And I was like, I called it man. I I knew. And we only had like one real good dance emote that you could Mm -hmm. do back then. We didn't have the D-pad where you could select multiple emotes. We didn't well, you, have any. You of did, that. but it was it was it was static. It was um point sit, uh, dance, but dance could be remapped to your special emote. And that's what right. was the last one. Uh, uh, salute, wouldn't it? Yeah, point sit wave, point sit wave, and then your wave was auto selected based on what your race was. Blast, I think. Uh, yeah. Humans would like have like a big overhand wave. (laughs) Exos would salute, which is why you say salute. Because I I miss that now. Now Titans have the salute. Hunters have the big overhand wave. And um, Awoken had something else. Instead of being by race, they made it by by class. Yeah. Which yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, There's a little Easter egg for you. It's a little history more than Easter egg. So if you play all the classes now in D2, you can get the emotes that are tied to the other ones because they pop up in your um, rare. What are they, green? Yeah, <laughs> I think they're, now? yeah, they'd be uncommon. They'd be greens. Yeah, which is funny. And so the hope for the future has been like a big meme for all these years. Yeah. Uh, and it pulls up in several places. One, which I guess we'll go ahead and call it out now, is mm-hmm. on the tangled shore there is a club in a lost sector um which that's a (laughs) multi-layered uh easter egg so if you go into that club which was a really difficult lost sector when the tangled shore first debuted Mm -hmm. i mean you couldn't do it at all unless you just grinded heavily because the the game was a lot harder to grind up levels back then what was it it was light level back then, and then they switched it to power level or something. Well, they switched it to power level in Destiny 2. It was so light it, level back in Destiny 1. Yeah. And and I think that if your power level, what was the grind? Was like 50 power uh, level? Usually on an expansion like Forsaken, it was like a huge jump. And then every yeah. season was 50. And then oh people were like, this is insane. Like, we're... <laughs> <laughs> You can't do this to us. It was really difficult. So if you were lucky enough to like go in there and not die trying to hit the, the, which would essentially be the jukebox was the DJ booth Mm -hmm. of the club that was in the Tangled Shore. And so the DJ booth, if you kept cycling through the music, you would hear hope for the future Mm -hmm. in like a different way. (laughs) Yeah. 
And that's that's another case of the Tangled Shorts getting sunset. Uh, apparently, sunsetting is just Bungie's attempt to get hope for the future out of the game again. <laughs> yeah, and so that club, the reason why it's multi-layered is because that club is a reference to Halo Reach, which Halo Reach is, you know, proto-Destiny. Halo Reach was the first... Um, Bungie experiment into going to the new mechanic style of Destiny, which Destiny became Destiny. But anyway, Halo Reach had an Easter egg in it, which was called Club Era. And you had to go through these convoluted steps to trigger a door in a floating city called New New Alexandria. And so you had to fly a a pelican around and you could trigger this switch over here on this one skyscraper, and then you had to fly to the opposite side of the map to another skyscraper, trigger another switch. Then you had to fly back to that first door, trigger the switch again. Then you had to fly all the way to the uh, northbound side of the map just to land on a door that was all of a sudden open. And when you ran inside, it was a club. And the club had the enemy races in there dancing. There was grunts, elites, brutes all jamming out to music which was like a a, a, like a techno version of the the halo theme song there was like two or three songs in there i never knew um i will always miss references to like halo like whenever they make like a halo reference it is going to be over my head (laughs) (laughs) well the whole name for the the easter egg was funny too because it was club era which is like you know an error like mm-hmm. in your in your game and um so that's something that Bungie has been known for doing way back into Halo 1 where there was a secret room you could somehow get into and there was a nightclub in there and in in the nightclub room there was like a poster of some of the founding members of Bungie and some other little references to like the people that work at Bungie it was just a neat little room um mm-hmm. so that that's been something that they've been recycling for over years and years and um, but the, what was neat about the club era in Halo Reach is you had the DJ booth <laughs> and you had the mm-hmm. you had the jamming out bad guy behind the DJ booth, just like in the Tangled Shore, which was really cool. So I just realized that I know I know that it's an iPhone reference. I thought the next one we can talk to uh, talk about would be the hard light. So, yeah, so this one's weird because a lot of people don't know another aspect of this one. But yeah, so the lore tab for for the uh, hard light yeah. is very much a scripted, uh, like, you know, this is the new phone type yeah. of debut, so, right? So I have I have it here. It says, and it's 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 spoken as like Amalan pitching their new their new device, right? So uh-huh. today we're introducing three revolutionary products. The first is a quick config re- interface for outgoing damage. The second is a ricochet projectile that bounces off any surface. The third is an infinite range zero drop off projection weapon platform. So three new products in the Amalan portfor- portfolio. But unlike any other product launches, we won't be staggering the releases. We'll be releasing them all at once in a single device in extremely limited quantities. It's called Hard Light. But there's one more thing. So apparently this is um, how they announced the iPhone. 
So yep. I guess the three revolutionary products would be like cell phone, internet browser, and camera. Yeah. Uh, but I can't actually find like a transcript of the announcement or a <laughs> video of the announcement. So I can't, I can't put them side by side, but so, um, basically you have your, your, everyone's favorite, uh, weapon here, hard light, which has, has gone through the ups and downs of being a viable weapon <laughs> where, you know, cause it, it had so much camera shake that it was like completely unusable. And then when they like really tried to reel in the, the damage fall off, it's like, Oh, now hard light, not having damage fall off. It's viable for like long ranges, but it's still just so scattered that you can't hit your precision shots. So it's like still, yeah. Really... <laughs> Highlight's a funny one because it, it kind of shows the evolution of of what's been so difficult about Destiny tuning their weapons. Yeah. It's almost like a it's almost like a funny cut to what goes on behind the scenes because Hardlight for years has been one of those weapons that has just been hard to tune. They finally got it narrowed down mm-hmm. uh, to a workable uh, weapon, but it would it plagued D one on its debut. It just destroyed in. Um, in, or I should say it did absolutely nothing and then it destroyed everybody. <laughs> I mean that was the issue with like auto rifles, right? It was it was the yeah. era of auto rifles when Destiny One first first came out. They were just all oppressively powerful. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another neat little thing about Hardlight, which is funny because they doubled down when they made the um ornament for it, mm-hmm. which was called uh Everything's Chrome, I think is what the name of the ornament is. Okay. Couldn't grab it real quick, but um, the, the chrome, yeah, the chrome ornament. Um, if you look at it, you can see uh, it kind of just applies a, a all chrome shader to the gun, which is not like super standoutage, but the name of the ornament goes in line with like Android's operating system, which has plagued the internet, and everybody has to use Chrome now. Yeah. Or Google search engines and stuff. So it's funny because there's like this duality of presenting it as like an iPhone dig, but also an Android dig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this that is, was one of the little things. This is one of those those weapons that sounds really exotic. And it's definitely improved in, in Destiny 2 because as I've, as everyone I'm sure knows, hard light fires, solar arc or void. And you're able to switch them by, is it double tapping or holding uh, the reload? Now I think think it's holding. Holding. Yeah. Before you couldn't do that. Like you had to go into the weapon, select it and then come back out. Yep. But now you can do it in your aim down. Yeah. You, you you don't have it. Cause that's what I was going to say. In destiny one, you actually had to go into the menu of the gun (laughs) and imagine that like on the consoles that, that menu load time where it's just like really chugging and it's just not, not getting done. And now it's like a interesting viable match game weapon. But I mean, it's just not to use that as an exotic. It's still a choice. It is. Yeah. Something I'm noticing now is why does it actually have like three barrels? (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's 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 pretty funny yeah you think that's like on purpose that it's meant to fire one from each barrel oh my goodness i don't know i mean they're what were they a symbolistic polymer 
bullets that originally shot out of the thing. They yeah, were like these- that was another thing with Amalon that the, that their that their bullets weren't actually bullets; that they were just like a liquid gel that, like, yeah. with enough inertia, became like solid. Yeah. <laughs> so so okay. So if you don't know this, um, another Halo reference in Hardlight is the fact that the name is Hardlight, which was a construct of Halo for many years on Forerunner technology, which is like the ever. It's like the big, the biggest of the big in the game as far as um, like who controlled everything, right? Mm-hmm. In Halo, so the Forerunners were the were the were the aliens that were in charge of like the whole universe. Anyway, the forerunners developed a technology which was discovered by humans and um, other alien races, which was called hard light. And so hard light is a way to make light into a hard surface. You can make shields out of it, you can make bridges, you can make platforms, you can do construction with it. Uh, hard light just is like a major thing that was developed in Halo, um, mm-hmm. which kind of, you know, is like the glue for all the the Lego bricks in that yeah. world. <laughs> I think hard light would be pretty fun if it shot all three uh, energy types at once. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that would be awesome. If but you then you have do- to also <laughs> make a hard dark that does the same thing <laughs> with the darks. You know, that's funny because wouldn't that be funny if they came out with the hard dark or some other thing the other funny thing about the oh oh it's called future is chrome the future is chrome ornament it's not everything is chrome anyway the ornament for hard light yeah the future is chrome ornament uh that was the name of the debut of chrome was everything you have to you have to think that amalan would see like dark energy and be like okay yeah we're doing that one too like oh yeah no doubt Omelon is always on the cutting edge of any kind of, you know, taboo tech, yeah. I guess is what you would say. It's like borderline crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Dark mode. iPhone. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what do we have next? Got hard light done. So you had you said that there's something for Skyburner's uh, Skyburner's oath opening to the uh, lore tab. Yeah. So uh, Seth Dickinson a while ago, I want to say like three years ago, um, put out on Twitter that the opening to the Skyburner's Earth lore mm-hmm. tab was meant to be read in the <laughs> the tune to Fortunate Song. Song, Sun by a Creedence Clearwater Revival. Okay. Which is, is kind of funny because, like, I would have never have known that. Are um, you, are you, are, do you have that, that up? Or are you going to give us a, a demonstration? <laughs> I, I mean, DMCA, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't want to get our podcast ripped off, but um, yeah. So, like, the lyrics in. Unfortunate song are obviously different, but the cadence in which you would sing that opening of that song is very much the lore tab for Skyburner's Earth, Skyburner's Oath. Um, so it's like if you can hum the tune in your head, maybe. <laughs> Skyburner's Oath was um well, so 
No, actually, no, never mind. Because in House of Wolves, we got uh, Lord of Wolves, Dreg's Promise, and Queen Breaker's Bow, which is now just, it's Queen Breaker's now, right? They took they took rid of the bow in, in Destiny 2? Yeah. I was going to say, because Skyburner's Oath is one of those few weapons that is an enemy weapon. Like, this is this is what the Cabal shoot us with, and, and we use it too, which is, is something that I wish Bungie would do a little more of, because it's not like the enemies have a wide variety of weapons anyway. Like I, I get why we can't uh, use like the Vex guns or whatever, because it's like, that's their hands. Like, Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess you could probably still rip them off and it doesn't seem know. smart to use it though. <laughs> Given everything that we <laughs> know about the Vex end up like uh Asher. Yeah. And Kabir and, and the rest. But yeah. like you know, the Cabal have, and now now we're working with Keitel. Now now we have like an open uh, source to the manufacturer. Like we can get that yeah. that new uh, Centurion weapon, the um, the Bronto something. It's it fires like horizontal uh, shotgun, oh, yeah. like three three burst shotgun like that. That'd be that'd be awesome. We, you know what I thought was was funny about the Skyburners when Seth pointed that out. I ne- I never really thought much about it until he pointed that out but like skyburner's oath is you know obviously it's a cabal gun right Mm -hmm. look at it and you see oh well that's just a cabal gun and we're using it right Mm -hmm. and and the way it fires you know it's really neat because it has a dual mode well now it does (laughs) yeah before it didn't uh but it has this really cool mode but um i didn't really look at it anything about the gun uh past that you know visually but when you read the lore tab to it, you kind of get a little bit more perspective into the infighting between the cabal. Um, just like you mentioned, you know, with Keitel, mm-hmm. like we have a, a representation of what cabal have different, you know, ideologies amongst their own race. And, uh, you know, Keitel is kind of going against what, you know. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's ever been like explicitly stated when Keitel took over or when I guess Dominus Gaul took over um, and kicked out uh, Callus, but it seemed like the Cabal in our system, like in Destiny 1, they were under Callus's rule still. Like they were still under Callus's rule. And it was like shortly into Destiny 1 era. Is when it's when that shift happened when when Callus was kicked out and things like that, and so Skyburners came. I think Skyburners were introduced in in the Taken King as the faction that um, attacked yeah. uh, the Dreadnought. They were the ones yeah. that actually started looking into how the Hive have a way of killing ghosts, or yeah. at the very least, killing guardians effectively. Because I don't think, like, when a guardian dies, in most cases, it's because they died in such a way that their ghost was also killed in the action that killed the guardian, or their ghost was killed separately. But uh, there are instances with things like the original Thorn that it's like, the ghost doesn't matter. The ghost can survive without you, and the guardian is now severed from the light and that's something that it seemed like the hive had the ability to do where a death from the hive your ghost can can run off you know they kill you in a way that kills you without touching your ghost which is what made them such a uh point of interest to the cabal 
Yeah. And so that, that, that's another thing that kind of made me think about like, so in, in the lore entry for Skyburner's Oath, if you read it, like if you truly like digest the lore in it, you can see how the Skyburners in this particular scenario were like, you know, we, it, it's, it's very funny because it's a parody of the song, you know, but if you read it in just like their vein of understanding, they learned um, how to eat. <laughs> like, it, like it says at the big, at the end, it says, um, now this is the end brothers, our final fight Gaul's here to finish it. Mars taught us how to fight guardians. The hive taught us how to eat their light. Yep. Remember that we made it possible. The red legion ends it, but we held the line and we didn't die. That's victory. It says so on the gun. And so back up to the first part of the gun, uh, lore entry, it says <laughs> they were, some grunts are born to fight the war. Yes, they're loyal and true. And when the call comes, hot drop in five, well, they're always first in the queue. Mm-hmm. But I'm not one of them. I'm no hero. I'm not. I'm in no hurry to die. I shot my own squad on Phobos when death came to wear us like an armor. And mm-hmm. then it goes on. You know, I rode the Primus's ship that rammed the hive dreadnought. Dreadnought, second wave out of the hatch. We won that fight, victory or death. We're not dead, so we won. So it's like this it's like this going against the grain of what a cabal theology would have originally been under Callus's rule, but because they were under Dominus's rule, they had a different perspective or a different way of fighting. Because um, cabal fight to the death. That's mm-hmm. winning. Uh, but when they fought under um, Dominus, they had a different way of thinking because light was everything to them. And they learned that from eating the <laughs> guardian's light on the hive <laughs> or on the dreadnought, I guess. Yeah. Which, which is the prelude to D2 and what happened in D2 when they stole our light, you know? So like, this is the pre- prelude to that. Yeah. D2 opening that, that, of D2. This was that first piece that, that put us, the the cabal on the dreadnought was that that seed as as Bungie likes to say they they like to plant yeah. seeds and sometimes they grow and it's like that was one of the seeds that was able to grow into destiny too and um when you think about the the structure of how the game is developed you have uh you had the team uh led by uh Luke Smith and etc uh yeah. I, I don't know all their names uh sorry about that but they made <laughs> The Taken King. They they like they they plotted that story and they they planted that seed and then another team came in for Rise of Iron and that's why it might seem a little disconnected but that's how you produce a game on an on an annual release structure. You have multiple yeah. teams working on titles to to actually develop a full release, not just a, a half release. Yeah, and, and um, given Luke Smith's um, involvement in the in the Taken King, mm-hmm. you can see how. I don't want to really call it like a, a obsessive, but like you can see how, how deep down in the roots of that whole expansion, Luke wanted everything to just be like just this multi-layered environment with all these hidden things and all these different pockets of, of stuff. I mean, even the raid was insanely complicated mm-hmm. when it first came out. I mean, you know, it just had Luke's hands all over it. He wanted to really make it a difficult uh, experience. Um, I mean, the calcified fragments, all of that stuff. 
I mean, that was just like an evolution of the dead ghosts. Yeah. But I mean, it was still like they were everywhere and it was yeah. really hard to get some of them. And anyway, this is mad rush um, for that. So just to kind of keep with the Skyburners. So like we said, they, they debuted in, in Taken King. And the, the great thing about uh, Destiny 1's lore system was that they had grimoire cards and you were able to get entries like this that might not be like huge and they might not be like a full scope story, but it gives you an interesting look into the enemy races. And in this case, the Skyburners got their own grimoire card. And so yeah. it says the second fleet will wait no longer. Commencement will begin on their arrival. Cryptarch translation of Skyburner chatter. And then it continues. Uh, Rumors of a yet to be deployed cabal fleet have long haunted the Vanguard hall. Hidden efforts unveiled the Phobos fleet base house what is merely the first wave of a full-scale celestial demolition fleet codenamed Skyburners. Ghost scans of the ships and reports of a large scion presence have warlocks anxious to learn their weaponry. Dead Orbit assures the city that the Skyburner fleet pl- excuse me, poses no immediate threat to the city. So, you know, <laughs> they have this, this interesting name structure, the Skyburners, and mm-hmm. that they're a demolition fleet and they're waiting uh-huh. on the second fleet. And they were the ones that kind of like uh, got the cabal uh, in line with how to destroy the light and everything. Yeah. And it sounds like before the Treadnought even came, the Skyburners were already in position waiting for the red the red legion to come in with the almighty to burn the sky you know like they were they were that that first wave and the second fleet would have been the red legion yeah well remember we we thwarted their um um chance to blow up the dreadnought because yeah. the you know the mario brothers yeah um, also that, that valis um Tularoon and uh maual yeah Mau, said it. Mau, Mau, Mau <laughs> they have difficult to pronounce names. They I do. never know like what what like pronunciation it's supposed to hold. You know, <laughs> something. Okay. And so, so we fight them. Do we stop them from blowing up the dreadnought? But yeah. so wrap that all in a nice little bow. Skyburner's oath, Lord entry, fortunate son song. It shows you the rebel, you know, the rebelness of the Skyburners versus how, you know, Callus's uh, subservient grunts are to him and Dominus's uh, legion and how they're just going against the grain of what a cabal is known to be. And so the Fortunate Son song is very much the same idea. You know, it's a Vietnam, Vietnam song. It's identified with you know, wartime in the 60s, the late 60s. And uh, it kind of, the lyrics to that song even kind of go against like, you know, it's like a rebel song, right? Mm -hmm. It's meant to be like against authority and all that stuff. I'm not your, I'm no hero, you know, that type of scenario. I'm not your fortunate son. I'm not your convenient scapegoat, all that kind of stuff. Just goes in line with that. So, um, uh, the next one we have is one that uh, Rhino pointed out. I'm actually really excited about this one because I didn't know about this until just now. Um, so the Presage mission, mission uh, on screen now is uh, something that you might say looks familiar. And you might say <laughs> that's the location on the Presage. But it isn't. 
This is from Halo. From Halo 2, you said? Yep. Yeah, well, it's in Halo 2, and it's also in Halo 5, and it's also in another um, mission on Halo 3. I think it was either 3 or Reach. I get them confused sometimes because the whole ODST years. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So um, they like to recycle spots, basically. Yeah, you, you, that's that's every video game. That's smart. It saves yeah. time. It saves effort. Um, but so you notice the main thing is this this bridge kind of dividing the room with the big window for the hangar. And now we'll look at the presage. This is the best uh, shot I could get. So you have like another big window for the hangar. You have this like little drop down section. You have the bridge. The main difference is that the bridge here doesn't seem to actually have stairs going down like Presage does on the right side where you can like walk up and get on the bridge. But I mean, that's that's the subtle evolution that makes the map work better. Yeah. For Presage as which, compared to Halo. Which I thought was kind of funny because <laughs> here we go again, more Halo. But here, here's what's kind of funny is um on the... <laughs> On the two different versions in Halo, the early one had, you know, it was just the basic, there's the hangar. And when you open the door, the entrance to this whole room is the exact same way you enter in Halo. So you open the door, and the door is located in the exact same spot in Halo and on the Press Age mission, Sage, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, mission, when you walk in, it's like this grand opening event, right? So the door opens and you're like, whoa, is this a, a ship hanger? You know, same thing mm -hmm. happens in Halo. One of the differences in, in the first Halo instance this happened and the second Halo instance is there is a little drop down. If, you, if you're smart and you're like fighting everybody, you can go to this little spot in the middle of the map where there's, a, there's stairs. Mm -hmm. and they let you drop down and you can kind of like survive the firefight. So like if you're playing on legendary mode, which is insanely hard and you need a place to go to kind of like, you know, not die. There's this little stairway that allows you to go under and you can take uh, refuge from all the fire that you're under. And so the stairs in the middle right there and the way the two platforms come up are the exact same layout of that map. Which is funny. So it's yeah. almost like another multi-layered, hey, remember this? Because, you know, Halo veterans, when they first walk in there, they're like, wow, this feels, you know, familiar. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see uh, little Easter eggs like this, like uh, clear, clear inspiration carrying over. Like, it, it must have been, like, one of their favorite design spaces, so they wanted to, like, have a little clever way to sneak, it, sneak a similar design into Destiny 2. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. I think the, <clears throat> I think the environmental artists, you know, are really tapping into like, you know, they just want to put in their, their, they want to put their mark on it, but they also want to call back a little bit of that nostalgia for everyone. And, and you just have to be kind of go on. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, just be, be kind of, you know, mindful of like, Hey, there's lots of players out there that might want to experience this too for the mm -hmm. first time, but as well as like guys that have been veterans for years. And, I was gonna say you have to you have to wonder. It's not like it's not like everyone who worked on Halo is is there working on Destiny right now. Exactly. It it could have been someone someone from Halo made this made this map, and then someone from Destiny. Maybe they weren't working at Bungie back when they were making Halo. Maybe they were a fan of Halo, a fan of Bungie, and now they're working at Destiny. Or maybe it was someone who worked there from long ago. They were like, 
this map was so cool. I want to like, I want to like reference it. I want to put the destiny spin on it and like, yep. like, you know, like throw back to this memory and, and yeah. they get to do that. That's, that's one of the, the great things about destiny, this ability to like throw yes. back, uh, like scenes or stories from like other, other medias and just like put like a destiny spin on it. That's, that's one of my, so, so one of the coolest things that I always point to, and people forget this, you know, when, Everybody wants to have like, well, this is better than that attitude towards everything. So mm-hmm. like anytime a new game comes out, it's the destiny killer or anytime a new game comes out, it's the halo killer or, you know, Xbox versus PlayStation. You know, that, it's mm-hmm. all this whole like console war game war thing that people, you know, it's, it's died down a lot over the years, obviously, but it's very much ingrained in this attitude that, Oh, whatever I'm playing has to be the best and Mm -hmm. whatever you're playing sucks. (laughs) But, but what I, what I, what I keep hammering on is if you play destiny or if you play halo, or if you play both like me, you have to think about this because three, four, three is half of all the guys that were originally at Bungie and Bungie is half of the guys that you know are now here at Bungie, but they mm-hmm. were all a team together. Half of them went on to create bun- uh, more Bungie games. The others stayed and created three four three. And since then, some of the Bungie guys have gone back to the three four three team, and some of the three four three team has gone to Bungie. So they have this inter- intermingled uh, friendship for years. I mean, they were in the same studio for years. Yeah. And so there are friendships there between Bungie and 343, which if you just think of 343 as being another extension of Bungie, because that's how I think of it, because the guys there have been together for years. They still talk to one another. They still play each other's games. Yeah. And they still have fun with all the stuff that's in there. And that's one of the reasons why Bungie will always be able to say, hey, remember when we did this, even though it's not a part of who we are today. Mm-hmm. we can still call back to it. And it, it, it's crazy to think about, like you'll have fans just be all like, Oh fuck three, four, three or Oh fuck Bungie. Yeah. Blah, blah. But then the studios are just like, we don't feel that way at all. You know, like, at all. They don't, they studios. want each other to succeed. I, yeah. I love, I love watching the Bungie team um, community and the Bungie team members. Whenever there's a new halo, you know, murmur out there, they're like, oh, we can't wait to play, you know, Halo. And then the same goes on with the guys at three, four, three. Like, oh, I can't wait until that new yeah. Bungie expansion comes out for Destiny and we play it. And you see them talking back and forth, like, dude, your game is awesome, you know. And it, it's just great. It's just great yeah. to see that camaraderie. And I wish more people in the community felt that way because one of the things that happened when Bungie left, uh, or when Bungie, you know, kept going on and three, four, three was established, is uh, a lot of people decided then and there to divide themselves and they were like, well, I can't like Halo 4 in because Bungie's not there anymore. Well, it was hilarious because Bungie's still there. They they were working on Halo 4 together as a team in its very, very, very infant years. Mm-hmm. It was just only after that separation that people just decided oh, I can't be affiliated with this and that and that. Like, no. I mean if you go back to Halo Reach, Halo Reach was very much the um, platform for Destiny as a whole. Uh, when Halo Reach came out, it was 
dra- dramatically different from all of the other halos. Yeah. And the way it, me- the way it had loadouts, the way it had mechanics, all of that was totally different. And it was very much Bungie going, Hey, this is going to be how destiny is going to work. And it became that way. So anyway, so, uh, next up, I think we should talk about, uh, Telesto. So before, uh, in curse of Osiris, I think is when Telesto, uh, came out. Yeah. In curse in, in destiny two, of course. Uh, so Telesto came back in destiny two in curse of Osiris and it had the following, uh, lore entries. So the first whole, uh, section of it is, uh, Awoken jargon, so public key number 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 uh, regal from and then Paladin Kamala uh, Rior, Paladin Commander TF 5.3 to Regent Petrovenge, subject prisoner of elders, containment risk. M- message is contingency re- reserves overdrawn. We underestimated nobility troth reparations. Aldrin suggests the that we open reintegration talks. Have you discussed endowment support? If Reef endorses, if Reef endorses support, Paladin Oren will engineer reinforcement message ends. <laughs> and so, I think it was after Forsaken released, or just before Forsaken released, um, that one it of was, the writers. Yeah. Was it, it was. Before? It was. It was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> It was it a wasn't long shadow time. keep era, but it was like after forsaken. It might've been like midway or it might've been just before forsaken released. But one of the writers said how there was a secret message in this lore tab and um, yeah. no one had caught it yet. So everyone was like, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean? And so um, the message is, is really simple. Actually, you take the first letter of every word and it spells another message but the uh, there is a key to triggering the knowledge. You know to look for this message when someone is mentioned. When Paladin Orin is messed messed mentioned. Sorry, you know that there's that they're speaking in code. So the message actually reads C R O W Crow U N T R. Crow untrustworthy. I'm not going to actually spell it. It says crow untrustworthy. Uh, desires power. Desires power. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> because it's it's. Uh, so they they they're calling crow. They're calling Aldrin Crow as a code name for Prince Aldrin. This is before he died at the end of Forsaken. This is in you know the the. Uh, Curse of Osiris era message. Um, and that was actually the first time in Destiny that Aldrin was ever referred to as Crow. He, Crow. he held the title Correct. Master of Crows. And before Destiny released, his model was called Crow. So Aldrin has, and I think we've I think we've talked about this before on the show, but Aldrin Aldrin's model in, in uh Brandon O'Neill, the voice of Aldrin, has kind of had like uh <laughs> <laughs> a roller coaster of development where he was this like renegade guardian who lived out in the uh old Russia in the Cosmodrome and he was going to like kind of guide you on the path to understanding the universe and everything and and kind of be your exo stranger it, it seemed like 
And um, so that's when he was Crow. And we have images where it was like meet up with Crow on Venus and the Ishtar sync to learn about the Vex or something like that. Because they, they, they had yeah. uh, a phone app that would help you guide your missions, which <laughs> whatever, you know, it was a crazy time back then. Well, I just want to say real quick, um, Destiny originally was meant to be on Rails, and they changed that at the last minute. I say the last minute, but, you know, whatever time is in game development world, it was like... It still pretty much is on Rails. It just gives you a little more wiggle room. Yeah, so, like, one of the things about Halo games before Destiny is you're very much on Rails when you go into these open spaces. You can explore... You know, and then there's like loads, loading zones and um, like save points as you progress. Uh, so that was a format used by Bungie for, for many, many, many years, all the way to mm-hmm. Marathon. And um, when they did, when they came out with Destiny, there was the there was the premise that you were going to be using your phone to talk to your fellow uh, guardians <laughs> and you were going <laughs> to team up with your bros on, on the Internet <laughs> and and. Uh, you were going to match up and go do a public event together, or, yeah. you know, you were going to go do this strike together or whatever. So they decided at the last minute, whatever that means to just make it open world mm-hmm. and you can do whatever you want, whenever you want and go wherever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want. And if your buddies seem to are already there, then you can go meet them and coordinate with them and all that stuff. And so it, it dramatically changed the game right but crow like you pointed out was originally supposed to be a part of that storyline on rails uh crow's character uh, we've learned through like interviews and stuff was actually also supposed to have uh, a personality more like Cade, because at this point in development when when crow was when the model was crow uh Cade did not exist there was no Cade, and so this kind of like uh, sarcastic, jokey, haha guy was a part of Crow's personality. And then, so for whatever the reason, uh, if the Exo Stranger was also introduced, um, if that was how Crow got changed, they got changed. They they now didn't even have a name. They were called the Queen's Brother. That's That's how <laughs> they were referred to for like the first six months, I think. Uh, of like actual destiny release like destiny was released here's this character they are the queen's brother and then uh in december we got the dark below and then in may we got house of wolves and then house of wolves queen's brother was actually named aldrin prince of the reef so yeah so (laughs) i mean if you kind of if you kind of think about all that in its entirety when D1 first came out and they dramatically shifted from a story on rails to an open world shooter uh, slash MMO FPS. They really kind of had this um, complicated way of telling the story now. So like a lot of the people in D1 when it first launched were upset because they felt like the classic line, there's no Mm -hmm. story in destiny. You know, that was the meme for years. And, um, it took a long time before I mean, uh, before I never, they really fleshed out a lot of stuff. I never really even agreed with that. Like, there was a story. It's just, it wasn't like... I had to find it, yeah. 
No, I mean, and I don't even, I don't even agree with that. Like, oh, there's a story just to go to the grimoire to read it. It's like I disagree with that too. The story is, is, is you are a, a recently risen guardian who is being followed by this mysterious figure called the Exo Stranger, and then they, they enlist you to take out this great evil that's going to do something bad if, if you, the only one who could, don't take it out. And it's like, yeah. should there? If more focus was put on like actually explaining the story and like giving the gravity that the story was suggesting, it was suggesting that there was like a gravity to what you were doing, but it was never yeah. really ex- showing it. You know, it's like, oh, you just did this amazing thing that no one else could ever do. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> I guess. It almost, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And so, like, I guess maybe, a, maybe the maybe the focus wasn't there was no story that was more like people didn't know they had too many questions that yeah. were not answered. Yeah. I there, think that's there were a lot of questions that were just like, yeah. okay, but now what, like, who are you? And it's like, I don't, yeah. that whole, I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. Why. Like that's kind of like a cop out, <laughs> you know? And like, absolutely. Yeah. That is a cop out yeah. to explaining the, the, the universe that needed to be explained. And so, Boogie has done a better job. So one of the things that I love about D1 are the um, Alpha Lupi uh, visions and, and and all of the ARG that went up to leading to D1's debut yeah. and where we would go to the different planets and learn about the, what was going to be the game way before the game. So I think in all in all, um, people had this really high expectation for a multifaceted, fleshed out universe that... I mean, that kind of stuff takes years to develop. Yeah. No game ever does that at the beginning. And I guess because people had been so used to a universe that had been uh, fleshed out for so many years, which i.e. Halo was, um, they expected this to just instantly be that. And no, it takes time. Stories have to be written. Stories have to be told. Things have to be in. I mean, one of the great reasons why there are so many lore enthusiasts, I personally feel like, is because of that lack of explanation and making people question what it was. But also, like, you know, people were expecting this, like, huge universe with all this, like, mystery and everything. And that's what Bungie gave you. That was in the Grimoire yeah. cards, you know? Like, they yeah. they really doubled down on preparing this this whole universe for you to, like to like exist in and it's like to have a universe you have to have a history and if you have a history you're not living the history the history has happened you know yeah it it, it feels like people said what they wanted and Bungie gave them what they wanted and then they were like i didn't want this and it's like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wanted this but like i wanted the history that we've also lived through and it's like okay but that's that's years of that's not yeah exactly that takes years i mean when 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 halo first came out it okay so here's another little history lesson 101 for people in destiny when halo first came out and was debuted it was debuted by um my goodness why am i forgetting his name all of a sudden the guy who you know helped start the iphone uh gosh darn it <laughs> am i really gonna flake on this guy's name i guess so the, uh who created the iphone uh uh steve apple hey, yeah <laughs> steve jobs so steve jobs um as a part of the mac a macintosh or whatever his 
Halo was a part of that launch, and Halo was meant to be a uh, Mac game. And so wow. Halo, when they were going to debut Halo, they didn't have like a working game yet. So they had to hurry up and scramble. Bungie did had to hurry up and scramble and make this thing work for the live event that Steve Jobs announced Halo on. And so they they put this like real quick uh, 3D rendering together where Master Chief's walking by and it just miraculously everything worked and it was great. And but they up to the minutes before they were showing it, they were all freaking out at Bungie. Yeah. And so uh, you can go back and watch videos of this, but like they go in depth and detail over what was going on behind the curtain, if you will. But anyway, uh, Bungie's game Halo was supposed to be a part of that, and then it switched to Microsoft because Microsoft bought them. But when Bungie uh, was debuting this game, it was supposed to be, you know, just like a full fleshed game, right? It wasn't anything. It had nothing. They had a protagonist which was Master Chief, they had a Banshee that could fly, and they had a Warthog mm. and, a, and a couple guns, which that was, the, that was the whole thing. And then once that got picked up and everybody lit on fire and the crowd went wild and wanting it, they were like, now we got funding, now we can make the game that we want to make. Same thing kind of happened with Destiny, but Destiny was given a ton of money. Uh, Bungie was given a ton of money to make Destiny up front, and so it takes years for the story to happen. But the reason why Halo has such a rich universe is because of the players, because of their constant need for information as to why things exist in Halo. Who were these people? Who did these characters? All of that stuff was written years after the game had already been out. And the same thing happened with Destiny. The community was on fire. And so now there's all these questions. Who is this guy? What is a cabal? What is a hive really what is what is it a guardian what is a ghost what is the traveler all of these things so we had millions of questions and what i love to say and one of the very first things i said when destiny first came out was the reason there is a story in such a rich universe in destiny is because we the players created it Mm -hmm. we the community got together and created that And it's very much true. When we go crazy over something and we just have to believe certain things are what they are, the writers are like, yeah, let's just make that in the game, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so we, we, you know, like pulled pork, everybody was sure that pulled pork was Aldrin's ghost. And so there, there it went. It's all of a sudden Aldrin's ghost, you know, that resurrected Aldrin to crow. Um, things like that exist because you know i don't know maybe you and i are the aham cars but i mean things like that exist in the game world because of our insatiability that's even a word so uh i just realized i didn't actually have some of the examples so i was just searching those while you found them Um, (laughs) (laughs) or while you were talking i mean uh but so for our next one, we actually brought this up on, uh, I think it was last week's or the week at, uh, week before we brought it up down here in the hangar and I wanted to get a video of this, but as I explained earlier on, uh, something's up 
any video I yeah. take of Destiny is, is garbage. So I just got some screenshots. You can see here it says site safety days since last accident. And apparently the tower, good job on the tower. They went a whole day without someone dying. But that's when I jumped off the tower. And <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I jumped off the tower. I killed myself and I went back. And as you can see, it's, it, it is a live counter. If you ever see this at a high number, like take a screenshot because I refuse to believe it ever gets below above five. I would be amazed oh if it God, somehow I don't think I've ever above seen five. three or four. <laughs> Have you ever seen a two? I've never seen a two either. But I, I, feel I don't, like two I don't know. I feel like I've seen a two, but I probably am lying to myself. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's gotta, we, we, we need a tower watch. We'll just sit in the tower and, uh, We'll watch yeah. this counter. See oh, wouldn't that, I, after that, we mentioned that the first time I thought, wouldn't it be great if you could somehow get the tower to uh, participate in a, a seven day experiment where nobody jumps off of the well, tower or dies? So, you know, I'm, to see I'm, what happens. This is, this is, this is destiny days, not, not real world days. So actually, that's, that wouldn't be difficult to get it to a high number if, if you, if you cheese the uh the uh spawns I mean, yeah like uh you have two people who live near each other you can you have a good chance of running them running into them into the tower so you you get your team of like 10 people one person in the tower person who lives next to them uh brings one person with them into the fire team and then they join them and then everyone like leaves the, leaves the the fire team but they stay in the tower they don't get kicked to orbit so they what? flood the tower with their private groups of individuals which makes it so i think you can only have four or five fire teams in the tower at the same time get them all in there and then they just hang out no one hang jumps out. off and you can, no one you jumps can skyrocket that 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 yeah tower. Dude, that's a great idea. And just imagine if there was like an Easter egg tied to that. Yeah. It would take a ridiculous amount of coordination. But I think the community could probably figure it out. Yeah. Um, but so next, uh that was a quick one. Next we have some marathon references. I know we've recently talked about uh Midas, we, so we can probably a year ago we talked about this. No, like but, weeks yeah. ago we talked about Mida. Well, we talk about it all the time. That's a good one. <laughs> It is a good one. Mida is a great is a if you don't know by now, uh, Mida is a marathon reference, mm -hmm. and it has to do with the Martian Interplanetary Defense Allegiance. I think is what it stands for. Is it allegiance or association? Something. And so the Mida was um, one of those references that popped up in the Mida multi tool, which back in D one we didn't know. You know, we didn't have like grimoire that really went into that. It was just, just it was just Mita multi tool, and that's it. That's all you got. Yeah, yeah. And then later we got you know <clears throat> more lore entry to it. But um, the lore entries to Mita are funny because it's like it's almost like messing with you, the reader, because it says like these dual pun words that are like leet speak, but also mean these other things. And if you're trying to figure out what it means, it it almost is like toying with you because like mm -hmm. there's stuff in there like troll smasher, which is, you know, leech speak for trolls on the internet. And then um, also means like troll on an airplane. Well, it, which it says avionics troll and troll smasher. Yeah. See what I mean? So it's like, there's a lot of funnies buried in there. Yeah. <laughs> Stellar sextant. 
Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And but, so like the little compass on there points to something. We don't know where the hell it really points. And so a lot of people thought that that gun pointed to something. That compass pointed to something like the seventh chest on the vault. Yeah, there was all kinds all of all those. All those. Uh, it's the ultimate tro- troll gun for us as the player. Um, it's a great gun. I mean, people still dominate the Crucible with it today. I just got destroyed in Iron Banner by it. Um, anyway, but Mida was a part of Marathon. And yeah. Mida had to do uh, with the story, which you could only get the story of Marathon. Here's another du- uh, Bungie thing. Bungie didn't give you the story in the game. You played the game. You had a story of the game. But then there was another layer to the story, and there were these terminals. Mm-hmm. And you had to find these secret hidden terminals. And when you unlock the terminals, they would tell you another story. And when you put all the stories together, you could get this whole other story that had to do with the universe you were in. And so it's a bungeeism. I mean, that's just what they do now. And so Mida was revealed in one of those terminals on a level appropriately called the rose. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, so what's funny about that is uh, it, it just goes back to how Bungie is just calling back to that nostalgic Mida marathon lore, but also later in D2, they made it like a parallel universe meme story. Funny thing. Yeah. So the, the lore entry actually is uh, Shaq speaking, and he says, My Red Jacks unlocked your Mida weapons log. Simple enough once we used the rifle's own electronic warfare tools. The rifle was designed by a primitive AI and manufactured for use by a revolutionary government named Mida. Guerrilla war suits use these versatile weapons, but Rahul insists his records never hinted at a rebel group named Mida. According to the rifle's cached messages, Mida's brief reign killed a full 10% of the Martian people. I gave Lakshmi this weapon for her take. She insinuates that it came from another timeline, perhaps through Golden Age experiments. That means it's outside your dirt jurisdiction to ban, because I guess Zavala was trying to ban it <laughs> yeah. uh, in the Crucible or something like that. Yeah, which is funny because Future War Cult had the machine which allowed them to see you know, yeah. parallel timelines and blah, blah, blah. And, but what's funny about the future war cult is they are very much like a parallel for the Mida faction, which was in the marathon. So FWC was all about war. Same thing with the Mida uh, mm. faction. They were a lot like what future war cult is. And, and what's funny about future war cult is how they even ended up in the tower to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they were seen as like, um, you know, Radical. Whatever. Yeah, radical. There you go. But so, uh, Mida in Destiny, uh, in Destiny canon, I guess, is is a weapon from a different timeline where the Traveler, maybe it's out there somewhere. I guess it would have to be out there somewhere, but it never came to our system. In in So, technically speaking, in the Marathon universe, then, it, like, this is a two-way street, right? In the Marathon yeah. universe, the Traveler is out there. But in the Marathon universe, they had their own uh, uh, slew of problems, which yeah. is actually our next Easter egg. And uh, this Easter egg is, go- is coming in, I believe, 40-something days? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like 40 days away. 
uh, we're going to be getting these armor sets. And so these armor sets are all directly influenced from Marathon uh, enemies and uh, players, I think. One of them's a player. Yeah, Marathon Man is the main, is the main protagonist you play. Is that what as. it's called, like, Marathon Man? Um, well, that's what we call them. Yeah. Let's let's go through it. I got him. I got him here. So I think the first one up is the Warlock. Nope, that's the Titan. So you see this Titan here, and the Titan is designed after, ironically, the Hunter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Hunters. That is these guys that with these like, spiky too. deals on their hands. So these are their sprites. Um, very clearly is the Titan. You can see, you can see that spike. They got the green glow, like uh, whatever this crap is. The green yeah. here, you can see the green on it. Uh, very cool. I I like the Titan. It it it's probably the most, or maybe not the most. They all very much fit Destiny, which is which is kind of telling to Bungie's like design philosophy, I guess, where they, they have this like a feeling and they just make new yeah. games with that feeling. So in marathon, if you look at the marathon logo, it's red, it's a red symbol with a, a green dot in the center. And so the green dot theme is coming up too, because they use it on the armor for the, the ornaments that'll be in the anniversary pack. So like, if you look at the, Warlock's chest has got the green uh, marathon circle. Mm -hmm. And then on the, um, was that the Titan? Oh, wait, that's the, the Titan. The Titan's on the right. Yeah, yeah. Titan's on the right. And so it's on his shoulder. And then what's funny is the hunter is the marathon man, which really the marathon man is more like a Titan because he's like a master chief, which is, yeah. it's all funny because it's like, oh, you thought we were going to use the Titan as the marathon man, but no, we use the hunter, which is funny because the hunter is the Titan. <laughs> yeah yeah but before before they're, we go over the true. hunter who should be the titan and after the titan who should be the hunter or who is the hunter uh yeah. we actually have the warlock here so you can see the warlock spray and they have this like robe that's opened up uh mm -hmm. in for whatever reason uh they are designed after i don't know how to pronounce it because it, it looks like it's spelt s apostrophe p h t aka the compiler yeah, uh, which this almost feels like uh, uh, a very early concept of what a wizard is in Destiny, which is funny because Warlock's wizard. Yeah. it all it yeah. all makes sense. It's all coming together, <laughs> and they don't have fucking legs. Yeah, they don't. They float. Yeah. Well, in in you know back up to Marathon. Marathon's not a four K you know game. It's like. <laughs> pretty pixelated well i mean you could you could you could give them legs if they if they wanted them to have legs they can add legs it's not like oh and the other thing to that is the characters that were in the game you know they had the concept art form which is really cool um but also like they changed a little bit of their appearance and then the story of those characters from marathon was further fleshed out i.e terminals but because of the community too they didn't have a whole lot until the community got involved in that game. That game went on for years and had yeah. many, many followers. It still does to this day. Now you can download it on the internet and play the whole thing if you want. And that brings us to, as you called him, Marathon Man. But I saw, I, I found him uh, called, uh, oh crap, uh, what was it called? Um, security Officer. So here you can see the Warlock again. 
and then you got the security officer up here on the the <laughs> the, the left half of the security officer has these like blue uh, designs to it, and a, a a fun better picture which is almost identical to the the hunter. So the hunter here in the center, hunter. This guy, who is like much more exactly the hunter from Destiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Okay, so here's another multi-layered... Yeah, right there, that picture. So here's another multi-layered um, bungee-ism. So the Marathon Man in this picture, if you look in his hand... Well, I don't know if this is that picture. Well, there's another iconic picture where there's he's holding... one, yeah. Yeah, he's holding a, um, um, a, a proto-form of the enemies, which is like a squid-like looking creature. Oh, bungee and, and uh, squids, huh? Yeah, so Bungie and their squids and the whole story of uh, uh, Pahanan. And so why some crazy people out there, including me, sometimes on the right day, maybe Tuesdays only, uh, believe that it's an extension of Marathon uh, Universe in Destiny Universe and Pahanan was a part of that. Let me see if so, I can find that. Yeah, oh, everything's so, me squid game. <laughs> yeah, squids have been ruined now because of that movie. <laughs> Also, Marathon Man doesn't give me Marathon. <laughs> yeah, so Marathon Man is a, is a thing that the community references to him because he was an unnamed protagonist originally. Okay, but, uh, I think I got it. Can you confirm? I put uh, it on screen. Yeah, delay. Yes, that's it. That's it. So okay. if you, yeah, so if you look at that, it, it's almost. Here we go. Bungieism, multi-layered reference. So in Halo, we have the flood. In Marathon Marathon Man, we had this this like plaguing creature that would try to kill you at any step you would try to take in the game. And you know, they just they killed you however they killed you. Uh and then you had the main enemy races that would try to kill you too. So <laughs> yeah, he's holding the flood. Yeah, basically he's holding the flood, a flood form almost. Um mm-hmm which has been like this uh, enemy that can take over your body and mind and make you a part of the flood mind, if you will, uh, Mm -hmm. in Halo. But in Marathon Man, it wasn't really fleshed out as much. But So what's funny about the Marathon Man in this picture is we didn't really have like a squid thing directly tied to it, but... Squids are what they call the enemy races or what the community calls the enemy races when they don't really have like when they're killing the enemies, they're killing a bunch of squids. Like I'm going to go play marathon and kill a bunch of squids that that's been like an underground saying for players of the game. Same thing happened in death in Halo when you would kill a lot of enemies in Halo. You would say, I'm going to go kill some squids, you know, in Halo because <laughs> marathon guys brought that bungee ism into that game. And so it's funny that they wrote it into Destiny lore with the squid references all over Pahanan's character as if, here's this character you never met, you'll probably never meet, and he loves squids. <laughs> so, all the way back in Destiny 1. So, this actually makes me wonder. So, we know that Marathon, basing on Mida, Marathon's universe exists in a uh, parallel timeline. Pahanan went crazy 
after going into the Vault of Glass, which is, you know, the Atheon is times conflux, all the timelines uh-huh. flow through Atheon, etc., things like that. So there's there is the potential for Pahanan to have seen the Marathon universe. He's caught a glimpse of this Marathon universe, of this uh, Halo universe where these squid enemy things take over the body and they, they, they you know, you know, take over, right? Yeah. So there's a potential that they won. They were the, the successors. And back yeah. in Destiny 1, uh, we have the octopus cloak where he says, if human extinction seems imminent, try not try to relax. You're just giving cephalopods a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And so not but maybe three years ago, um, Frank O'Connor, one of the original Bungie guys who's now with 343, uh, he's a huge keystone in um, Halo. He's a writer. Um, he's a big deal over there. He something happened a long time ago where somebody basically trolled him on the internet and said, you know, you probably couldn't even draw a Master Chief, right? And so he has drawn Mr. Chief, which is the now iconic symbol for Frank O'Connor's um, avatar, which is this like crude drawing of Master Chief's head with this big, you know, like teethy smile, cartoon teethy smile. It's like real crude drawing, and so it's been dubbed. Mr. Chief mm-hmm. and Mr. Chief going into that whole thing. Mr. Chief has morphed over the years. Well, as a part of a, um, I forget what the event was for, but it was um, like a um, event to raise money for a really good cause. And uh, he did a, a painting of this marathon picture of instead of marathon man, uh, Mr. Chief basically holding a squid in the exact same pose, the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it was a, it was not a flood. It was an octopus. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so let me just double check. Cause we are, we are, we are, um, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, so I have a few more images queued up and, uh, yeah. Do you have any on your list that you really wanted to talk about? Like any big ones? Cause I think I actually only have the, like basically two more. Well, I like the, I think the anniversary thing, we should definitely pack in, pack it up with that one. Okay. Um, that's, that's how I would end it as well. The, uh, yeah. the final anniversary pack with all the bungee yeah. symbols and everything. Okay. So then, uh, one is, this one's one of my favorites. And so we, we, we kind of talked about alpha Lupi a little bit. Um, and so this is the Hunter, Chris of Alpha Lupi. This is the Titan, Chris of Alpha Lupi. Uh, so the Battle of Twilight Gap is this huge battle where Hunters, Titans, and Warlocks fought. Warlocks wore the um, crest of something. What the hell? They had a helmet with the feathers. Yeah. I didn't get uh, the helmet because it doesn't... The helmet doesn't illustrate as perfectly as the the hunter and titan crest of Lupi's did yeah. but they all had the same ability they they gave you orbs of light when they were orbs of light back in destiny one on the ground and um on like multi kills or something something like that yeah. uh but so both of these these chess pieces have these like icons with like the wolf and then this one has this like double eagle thing holding the swords yeah. and then the wolf with the wings And so a bunch of guardians died during twilight gap fighting the fallen all from invading the city led by, uh, Sulkis, the, the Kel of the devils. And, um, 
their armor the, of the dead guardians, their armor was taken and by Crux Lamar and crafted into the, the Gallarhorn, which is coming back in the anniversary. And yeah. so you can see right on the head here, we got the wolf with the wings the from the hunter. And then right over here, you have the banner and actually I'm noticing for the first time ever, it's actually got the, the mark of, of, uh, six fronts just like it does on the titan chest right there yeah. under the twin eagle yep and uh so that's right there it's also right there and uh they they made the gallerhorn it's coming back it's a awesome gun everyone's gonna love it i'm sure i wonder if it's actually gonna be good though it, it i hope so well it'll probably be nerfed but <laughs> well i mean it's just like our rocket launchers really in such a super viable position right now where it's like, yes, this is what I'm going to use, you know? Well, I mean, if it had wolf backgrounds that kind of seek people, even if it just did enough damage, like a hunter grid splinter grenade did, then it'd still be fun. Yeah. I mean, we do have the mini missiles rocket launcher. Now the, the, the ammo economy on rocket launchers right now, I don't think is very good because you get to reload every time and and then you only get so many rockets and then it's like, you're done. That's it. That's all you got. So you have these scavengers, which are expensive and yeah, you know, it's, they're not in the best place where they used to be King because it's like, you have this tight window and it's like, you just need to do a lot of damage really quick. So you go boom, boom, boom with your rocket launcher and then you're done. And then you can get the ammo off the ground or you can pop a synth and use all, you get all your ammo back and there's no more synths anymore either. I mean, it could have a place then. I don't think that it would be like totally broken. Yeah. Even if they left it at like somewhat of the same damage. Hopefully it just does like, yeah, hopefully it just does like really big damage because it's, it's such concentrated fire. That's, that's where cluster bombs fail. Like, um, what was it? Argos, the uh, the planetary mind from uh, the second Leviathan raid. Cluster bombs did work on him because he was such a huge model that your clusters are hitting every fucking part of him. So it's just all doing damage. Wolfpack rounds to seek him out. So that's that's where the benefit was. Yeah, yeah, that was the great thing about like. Anyway, cheese in a lot of spots with Galley back yeah. in D one. <laughs> this is a really, really uh well crafted. Like that's that's that was Gallahorn's whole thing. If there's uh beauty and destruction, why not also its delivery? This is a very well crafted I'm I'm just really like noticing it now, uh rocket launcher where it's got like wood handle and wood trigger and everything. It just looks like very, very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it was the gun in D1 you couldn't get unless you yep. were just a diehard grinder because Zer sold it and nobody wanted to buy a heavy yep. and use their strange coins on that. But then you were like, oh, crap, I should have done that because it ended up being the end-all, be-all mm-hmm. weapon of the entire game. Must have Gallarhorn. Yeah. I mean, if you could go back and do it all again, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy um, because this is this is like that gun. This is they talk about those destiny moments. This is one of those things that that created a destiny moment where people remember when they got their Gallarhorn for the first time. Yeah, and that that's absolutely. a unique experience that I don't think a lot of games can actually pull off. Some people never got it for, for and that's years. upsetting. That's the other. <laughs> that's the other shoe, right? It's like that sucks. It sucks that there are people that just never got it, no matter what they did. Mm-hmm. And there were so no many ways what. to get to farm mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, it's like, oh yeah. my god. 
So the gun is made out of a bunch of dead guys who, guys and gals who died on the Twilight Gap battle. And yeah. uh, it, it's beautiful for that reason. And so only only the survivors were supposed to actually have a Gallarhorn. The yeah. people who fought and survived were supposed to be given the Gallarhorns as a sign of respect. Um, apparently Drifter's, were... Drifter's grandma has one, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, then they went then they went Oprah on everything and just let everybody have one. And well that's when they even came up with a black version of the one. Iron Gallahorn, which was yeah. like Lord Saladin just completely like stealing the Gallarhorn and making it <laughs> the Iron Lord's Gallarhorn. It's like, okay, fucking old man. <laughs> he couldn't even remember we were his wolf. That's the type <laughs> of shit where it's like, I saw it on the internet. That means it's free. Yeah. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah. And uh, so our last one is this this whole bungee. Another another thing coming in the anniversary. Uh, just these two, the Hunter and Titan. I'm actually really jealous about the Titan. I love this Titan look so much, and it's it's a little. I know upsetting. it's so cool. There there are parts of the Hunter that I really like as well, but I really like the Titan. I think the Titan is is probably one of the coolest. What the fuck is the Warlock though? Is that a thing? What do you mean? No, so like the warlock, somebody was trying to point this to uh, Halo also, but it's not. It's so like that people were like, oh, well, that warlock looks a lot like an elite. And I was like, no, it does not. But I mean, it, it guess it's one of those, what do you think it means kind of um, things. And until somebody explicitly says what it is, it's not going to be what it is. Like even people were saying, well, the bond is the Halo ring world. <laughs> like yeah. a micro a micro halo ring world which i could i could see that too but like if you look at the hunter and you see what they're doing you know they're just kind of calling to like the whole community as a whole and, and yeah OG. yeah and that's what i mean like the hunter and the titan makes so much sense because the hunter and the titan like these are two things that like if bungie had a con people would wear but yeah. what the fuck is the world so here's be. so here's where here's where a lot of people settled on the war, on the warlock is like either it's something they just haven't said explicitly yet or it's something that's coming. Okay, which could oh, be oh yeah, that's a good point because they have that yeah. new game coming out uh, with the code yep. name Matter. Yep. Okay. Who knows? Yeah, because um, what I, I would really love like that. what I really like about the the titan though it's just it's got so much going for it where you know it's got the uh the bungee fist holding lightning on it on its helmet it's got two ghost pins it's got i think that's an iron banner pin it's got the, well i got you know, a little like picture in word. i got a little picture in our discord chat if you want to look at it um where i put arrows to everything that was halo and it points it out but like um so the Master Chief visor is the helmet with the mask and the sunglasses or the goggles. Okay. That, that's the Master Chief's helmet. If you look on the hip of that Hunter, I mean, that Titan, uh, her hip, if you look at that, that's Master Chief's shoulder. And the picture I chose of Master Chief isn't the exact shoulder plate. It's actually more of the infinite one that just came out. That shoulder plate is the exact same shape as that little piece of armor that she's wearing on her hip. Almost as if <laughs> Master Chief is much smaller than a Titan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the camo pants are used by the ODSTs, you know, Destiny, Bungie, okay. ODST reference there. 
And then the needler, obviously, that's the yeah. big one everybody's automatically seen is the needles in the other shoulder pad mm-hmm. that she's got on. Um, and then the many, many buttons on her yeah. jacket. Because so on the on the on the collar, I have it super zoomed in, and it's actually like very very easy to see. They have the tricorn, they have the bungee foundation hearts. This is Sundance. This is Iron Banner. This is the the bungee uh, logo. Vanguard. Pretty sure that's the last word. Then they have Forsaken, the regular ghost. They have this Titan emblem, and then they have the Nines emblem over here. I don't know what this green one is though. Um, the green one. Oh yeah, what is that? I I thought that was the Drifter one at first glance. No, that's maybe it is. But now, because I zoomed in, I noticed the mark is actually that. Um, what the hell is this? I I, I can't think of the name, but I know the I know the damn symbol. I, I it's that's recent. the anniversary mark that I just got the pin in the mail. Um, yeah, Thursday. Yeah. So it's it's actually got it on on the mark as well. Whereas the the bungee hunter here, it's just basically their their fist holding lightning, and then just complete street wear with really that was the weird other thing. pants. That was <laughs> the other thing pant too. Legs? Yeah, I don't know what's good. They're like they zipper a, leg. Pants. They have a knee pad. <laughs> it's like on the ones you can make into shorts. <laughs> um the the back to the the Titan her. Her okay. pants and the ODST knee pads, those are exactly the same as an ODST Marines knee pad slash ODSTs. But what's funny is, so here's a little thing that Bungie nods to um, in their games, is how a lot of the artists use the assets in games to create new armor pieces. Mm-hmm. And for years, um, things have popped up as other pieces of armor, like knee pads have become shoulders shoulders have become knee pads uh like foot braces have become uh like forearm braces Mm -hmm. just because the artists are like oh i need that and i'll use it here or i need that so like one of the things that happened in halo reach was one of the um armor choices you could get in game the whole entire like kneecap was supposed to have been in a shoulder but they screwed up and they okay. made it a kneecap instead of a shoulder. And so, like, it's always been there. <laughs> so it's just a funny thing. And so I thought it was hilarious that they would just explicitly put Master Chief's shoulder uh, plate on her hip. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Yeah. Well, so... I'm really, I'm really glad that you mentioned that thing about the warlock because I haven't actually heard, um, uh, I actually haven't heard that uh, mm-hmm. said. Uh, TBD, I'm yeah, sure. Matt Grundy says the warlock face kind of looks like the Halo Reach guy who survived the sniper dude. Would you know anything more about that? Yeah, that's June. Um, I don't think so. Uh, and they said I was thinking Emil. Emil. Yeah, Emil is he died. He was um, the guy who carved his faceplate with a skull he's the iconic one that everybody remembers from halo reach mm-hmm. he had this big gherkin knife that you carved the skull that's on the face of his visor okay well i i'm really excited i'm really hoping that uh whatever bungie's next ip is uh coming out of their studio because we know they're making one that's not in the destiny ip they're making a new ip and Never. I would love to see like that's the villain, like that exact model that is the villain, cool. and it's just warlocks get to be it. Even if I'm not a warlock, like that's so cool to see. 
Uh, so then that's going to be it for, for this episode. If you came in late, we always post it. Uh, if you want to find out more of us, it's at loose cannon show on Twitter. We only really tweet about the show going live or any updates and stuff like that. So you can follow us you can put us on notifications and you'll just get like two tweets, four tweets a month, basically, (laughs) (laughs) unless something important is happening, something's changing. Um, and that's gonna, uh, it for us this week we will be back on november 21st this is the kind of slow month and there's a lot to talk about before witch queen comes out um one thing that i think we might want to do for the 21st is talk the uh, dark future war book because yeah that's a good one i'm hoping that they're going to release more trailers because if they release more trailers like they did uh yesterday with ikora or was that two days ago with ikora yeah uh, two days ago with Ikora. Um, if they release more trailers like that between now and then, we'll be able to talk about those as well. Because the Dark Future lore book kind of predicts this future that we think we've already stopped. But there's always that potential that some aspects of that future still happen. Things like Eris actually controlling Savathun, Anna Bray going full dark side, you know, things like that that we have to worry about. And, you know, like Zavala cracking under the pressure, you know, like all, all these, all these aspects that who knows what's going to happen and it could begin to happen in Witch Queen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Join us then. Bye everybody. Bye.